Turn on the AC. Look at out of your madness. Hey yo, welcome back to the Auntie's Collection. I see you turned on the AC, so I know you're ready for a cool moment. Hosted by yours truly, you know the name. This next part highlights the basketball story of my life. I talk about my journey playing in the parks and in elementary school, all the way to my professional career in the WNBA and overseas. I also talk about how I spent my time afterwards once basketball was over. During the conversation, I mentioned the name Asia. And for those of you who don't know already, Asia is my sister, who is exactly one year and 10 days older than I. Now, enjoy my basketball story. So, um, welcome back. Um, (laughs) The heart of your podcast and the episodes to come lie in sports Mm -hmm. and specifically women in basketball. Um, So, kind of walk us through your experience. Um, Cause a lot of people don't realize that when you say basketball took up however many years of your life, mm-hmm. it's a legitimate number of years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you could start with when you picked up a basketball, mm-hmm. um, when people realized you had talent and then walk us through high school because that was pivotal. Really mm-hmm. it started in middle school, but high school, mm-hmm. um, college, and then of course your professional career. Okay. Um, well, that's a lot. <laughs> I don't know the age I picked up a basketball. Basketball was played by my family. My granny actually played basketball. Back then, basketball was played where she was a guard and only the post players could score points. So the <laughs> so she couldn't cross half court. So she would guard the other um teams post players as a guard and once she got like the stop and the rebound she would like dribble that court, pass it to her post players, and watch as they try to score against the other po- opposing teams' guards. And I'm like, well, that's trash. <laughs> well, thank you, Granny, for your sacrifice. Um, but yeah, so she played basketball, and my dad played basketball, and he won a state championship. Shawnee, he played. My brother played, and so me and my sister, we used to watch my brother play as he played in middle school, as he played for um, Male High School, which was nationally ranked back when he was playing. I played basketball in elementary school, went to, uh, for Brandeis Elementary. And I first realized that I was decent <laughs> when some kid, I was like the fourth or fifth grade, he asked me for my autograph. <laughs> I'm in fourth or fifth grade and got this younger kid asked me for my autograph. And I was just like, oh, I might be cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can play against my sister out here on all these makeshift lambs. Right. I can play at the parks against boys and other stuff on grocery carts or whatever. We just have to play <laughs> on. I can hoop. But being able to, somebody asked me for my autograph, I was like, okay, I'm cool. So I get to middle school. We play at Southern Middle School. That's when it really took off. Yeah, that's when it, <laughs> that's when it took, took off. I remember the first day in gym class my sixth grade year and I seen this other hooper of course me and Asia was out there this other hooper named Kayla 
She was just like patting the ball. It was cool. I'm like, oh, she, right. I can tell with somebody who can hoop, like, right. who, you know, who's hooped. And so we started playing. We had a few other players to, to round off a, a good team. And our talents were so great that the high school coach at Iroquois wanted us to come play for them. Iroquois High School wasn't uh, a great basketball program or team uh, at all. <laughs> you know, they been, they were shut down before because not the lack of you know participation and won four games one year just it mm-hmm. wasn't a good program so I was able to come in in sixth grade and play and not only play start I think that says a lot about how good I was as a player but also it, it speaks about how good they kind of weren't as right. a, as, a, as a team and as a program so I played throughout my whole um, middle school career. We didn't lose a game in three years at Southern. So we went three years undefeated, I think like 35-0 and 0 or something like that. Mm. My eighth grade year, uh, I won sixth region play of the year in the eighth grade. So, of course, in Louisville, there's like about 20 schools in the sixth and seventh region. Right. And that's when women's basketball was, was, was pretty good. It was legit. Yeah, it was pretty damn good. And I beat out all the eighth graders, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors throughout the whole region. They gave it to me as an eighth grader. So... That's another time when I'm just like, okay, you know, like I might be, I'm, I'm all right out here. And then there was one other thing, which was actually a newspaper clipping from that time when I won play of the year, when they called me a prodigy. Mm. Like to be called a prodigy in the eighth grade and you playing basketball, like right? That's 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 otherworldly. Right. And I'm just like, you know, you start feeling yourself. But my dad never let us get to that point of thinking we was too good. Right. We from Louisville, which is it's a city, but it ain't like the big city to get right. on the hype and hoopla. And you're just like, you don't think, you know, some of these girls out here bust your ass, you know, basically <laughs> talk to us. And you got to think like, right. wow, there's a lot of girls out here. Right. I'm cool here. Probably a lot of people out there that can kill me in this game of basketball. So I always, from that point on, really, that's where my humbleness comes from. It's pretty much knowing somebody out there is working. working yeah. and, and then I got to, I got to Iroquois High School. And... Everything just, you know, just kept kind of flourished. My path to Iroquois was a, a funny one because we wasn't even supposed to go to Iroquois. Mm. We were supposed to all go to Central High School. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I think um, one of my teammates, my sister and somebody else, they didn't get into Central. So we had to revise our plans on us all staying together. It ended up being that Iroquois was the option for us to stay together. And that's when one of our teammates who played with us in middle school ended up going to Butler. Mm. If you don't know, Iroquois is one of the lower functioning behavior schools. Right. And a lot of people go there because they got kicked out of their school. And right. Nobody just applying like, hey, I want to go to Iroquois. Right. And so having that happen, but then just really growing into the game of basketball with Coach Dion coming and being a part of that. We went to state my first time into my eighth grade year. We won again my freshman year, and we won again my sophomore year, and we ended up playing in the state championship, but ended up losing the state championship. The next year, we lost in the regional finals to Butler, which ended up becoming our rivals and probably one of the mm. best rivalries and in the yes, state definitely. during that time, and we both was in the same region and in the same district. Right. So, man, uh, playing those games and... It was some questionable calls in that game, and we could talk to some I remember refs. watching that game. It was definitely some questionable <laughs> talk, calls. Yeah, talk to some refs about some of the calls in that game, but we ended up losing on a last-second tip in, tip back in by Tia Gibbs, which is another phenomenal player, and I would love to have her on the podcast. 
She's and, around. Yeah. And so I definitely want to speak to her. But yeah, so we lost to them. They ended up winning state title that year. Uh-huh. It was and crazy because she got like, Miss Basketball that year, she right? She did. She won Miss Basketball too. And they said whoever come from sixth region this year is going to win the championship. Win it yep. And end up coming true. So that she um, she won and Butler won that year. And then my senior year, we won it all. We won every game except one when we lost to Manuel. Uh, we played it at U of L on the big court. Mm. So it was a lot of factors that played into it. Right. Teammates cussing each other out about the fight before the game. But that's neither here nor there. That's just regular everyday air course stuff. Um, but yeah, we lost that game, but ended up coming back and smacking them on senior night. Mm. Like, made you feel good. 25 30. Yeah. Just demolished them. Then one loss, we against it. So won a state championship my senior year and then won this basketball um, my senior year, too, uh, which was. Uh, amazing, amazing, amazing thing to be a part of a championship. It's, it's, it's a crazy, crazy um, good feeling, regardless at what level you get it Right. So that, and then once my time at, you know, Earthquake was up and it was over, I went on to play at UK. Why UK? Ooh. A lot of people <laughs> ask me that question. For me, uh, it's really come down to a, a couple of things. One was I spent 18 years in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of wanted to get away. And also Louisville just came off the amazing career from Andrew McCautry. Right. And so the follow Andrew up with your know, encore performance. It's a little tough. <laughs> yeah, it's a little tough. <laughs> <laughs> and I know in Kentucky, I could potentially create my own tradition. And, you know, Kentucky was never a great program throughout history. They had a couple of good years. And the best years was in 1982, around that time, if I'm I'm thinking correctly, but been able to um, create my own path. And then the biggest thing for me also was being close enough to where my parents would be able to experience and see me play in college. Right. And it actually turned out being um, a great decision. So I ended up having a, a, a great career at UK and just having some big games and some big moments and some, some great times. You know, winning SEC freshman of the year. My first year there at all the, the freshmen in the SEC conference to be able to do that. And then to win the SEC player of the year twice, to be a All-American finalist, to be, you know, up for countless awards, to win the SEC my junior year when I'm there, to lead the team in that way. And then to make it to three Elite Eights, not getting over the hump to the Final Four, which I, you know, I look back and like, you know, it's one thing that I wish I was able to do was to be able to play in a Final Four, but playing right. three Elite Eights, a lot of people don't even get that. Right. Um, and honestly, just shifting the culture of um, Kentucky basketball for the women. The men's have been a powerhouse for decades and decades and decades. And to be able to change that that culture and change what it means to be a Kentucky basketball player, I'm thankful uh, to be a part of that and to, to share so many great moments with my teammates. And So, yeah, I finished my career. Like second all-time scoring and number one for most wins, which me and Behan is part of the one in the class in UK history. And also, um, not just doing it offensive, offensively, but on the defensive side, I'm number one in UK history in steals, which a lot of people don't know that. Right. But I love to tell people that, like, nah, I can score, <laughs> but I can play defense too. It was just a great time to be able to play at UK in front of all those great fans and my family and have great memories and moments that came along with that. Um, um, you, 
<laughs> My bad. You um you you came in the UK and there were a lot of expectations for you because they saw what you did at Iroquois. Mm-hmm. Um and then of course with the accolades that you just named, mm-hmm. um, you did live up to those expectations. However, did you feel the pressure while you were playing at UK? Not at all. Because it was a new environment. I didn't even know what I was walking into. I didn't really grasp what it was like to play collegiate basketball. I was just going through the motions. Like, just have to be here. (laughs) Even though maybe the individual expectations were high, the team expectations weren't. Mm. So we was actually picked to finish 11 out of 12 teams in the SEC my freshman year. Me coming in, we ended up finishing second behind only Tennessee. Right. So... We're going to talk about Tennessee in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't really feel the pressure. I don't think I ever really felt the pressure of living up to certain things individually. I've always been a a team player. If you open, I'm going to pass you the ball. If we need to run the office, we're going to run this office. It's just been me. So I never really um, felt the pressures of any of that. So after my time in the U.K., I got drafted in the WNBA draft. I'm number 10 overall. Uh, and a lot of people don't even know that I thought about playing the WNBA when I was a kid, you know, just writing it down. Like, oh, I'm playing WNBA. But as basketball progressed through middle, high school, and in college, I did not think about playing in the WNBA until after my junior year was over with. Mm. After my junior year. And I only thought about that because I watched the WNBA draft. And I've seen Shakina Strickland, who's mm. also someone I would love to have on there. And we played three years of battles against each other. Um, she got jumped, drafted number two overall on the WNBA draft. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> if she's it's attainable. Number two, you know what I'm saying? And I just went play of the year. Right. Her senior year, my junior year, I know that I, sh- I should be able to get drafted right. and be a, a great player as well. I got drafted to L.A., the L.A. Sparks. Yeah which was amazing because the, the L.A. Sparks is probably the one team that is universally known, I feel, for a lot of people as far as WBA. Yeah, but of course, you got other teams in other cities, but mm-hmm. the L.A. Sparks and what they represent, everybody knows. Yeah. Everybody knew at least Leslie. Right, right. You know what right. I'm saying? Knew, yeah, so to be able to go out there was amazing. And to have people like Candace Parker as a teammate, you know, right. someone that I, I watched, um, you know, when she was in college and stuff. And also having Christy Tolliver and Marissa Coleman as teammates. And I watched them when they was playing at Merlin. I remember one game, they was giving buckets. Like they, <laughs> one had like 35, the other one had like 45. They were just like killing. And I remember watching them play for them to be my teammates. And these amazing people like Elena Berry, Lindsay Harden, Jantel Lavender, Ebony Hoffman. There was so many amazing black women that I was able to play with and get experience um, from and teaching me how to navigate through right. Being a professional athlete, although my time with them was only a year, I learned so much from just being around them. So after that, after my my summer in the WNBA into the fall, I went to Slovakia. Mm-hmm. And that was an experience. <laughs> As I said earlier, I'm pretty quiet. And I went to school in Kentucky and I'm from Kentucky. So me going to LA was a culture shock. Right. You know, that's a it's a whole different vibe and energy and pace than Kentucky. So going to LA was a culture shock. But even more of a culture shock was then coming five, <laughs> six months later, going to Slovakia. You in Slovakia. Yeah. Slovakia. 
you know. <laughs> and I don't, I don't speak, I don't say much. So being in a country that's predominantly white mm-hmm. and you overseas and you don't have people to talk to, they don't speak English. Some people do, but they don't speak English. And then they don't see many black people. So I'm walking around over there at certain times and spaces at the mall or at the movies. And they're looking at me like I'm Godzilla. It's not just a peep to look like, oh, it's a black person. It's like it's stern. stern. Like, whole <laughs> neck turning, walking as you walk, just following you with the eyes. And I'm just like, that. that's that's an experience. I won't, I won't call it traumatizing, but it definitely wakes up a right. different part of you and knowing how the world kind of is. Right. So I was over there. I was miserable. I was on a different time zone. I didn't have any family over there. I didn't have anybody, anything. And it was it was definitely a tough time for me um, playing overseas. And I end up only playing half a season um, for a couple of factors, but I only played half a season. And I got back to the States chilling and then end up finding out I got released from LA. This one, Magic Johnson was p- picked up LA. So I was excited, like, oh. Magic about to be our bosses and stuff, but I got released, so I was distraught. I was hurt. I didn't really know how to spend my time, but I did get picked up by the Washington Mystics. So I went to the training camp in Washington, and I was out of shape because I wasn't working out. <clears throat> Truth. Oh, I wasn't working out. I wasn't doing extra work. I wasn't working on my game. I was just happy to just be living and you know, right. not focus on basketball all the way. I had free time. I was right. able to be free, and I wasn't doing any working out. So I went to the training camp. I ended up making it to the last day of the training camp before getting released. And he picked up somebody he had coached before and had some history with. And so at that point, I was just like, you know, what's going on? What am I doing? You right. Know, I didn't play a whole season in Slovakia. I got released from L.A. got cut from training camp. Like, what am I doing? I decided to go back out to L.A. because my brother lives in L.A. He's still living there. He was actually there when I got drafted. So it was a good thing he lived out there. So I went back out there and stayed with him for about two, three months for a summer and just worked out and just try to do something different than I was doing. I ended up going to Israel and playing that, that next year in Israel. It was way more Americanized. And some <laughs> black people there too. So it, it was a way better vibe. It was a way better vibe than Israel. I still I didn't give all that I could have gave to it, but it was a way better energy vibe, and I had a way better year playing there. After that season was over, I came back to the states, and then I didn't work out again. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally like blowing money fast, living it up, turning up. I was traveling Dallas, Atlanta, L.A., doing this, doing this, having fun, buying bottles. But you know, what I'm saying? like okay, I got it. Wasn't working out. Um, my next contract was for playing in Poland the next year but of course as I said I did not work out and people hear that and they think like oh she wasn't working out much like nah <laughs> I didn't work out I think I worked out <laughs> once in like six mm. seven months so I was completely out of shape I've been a professional thinking that they're going to just run me to get me in shape like you do right. when you come into college or high school it's not the case you know right. I did that fitness test failed my contract is voided and then I really had to uh, think about me and playing the game me playing the game and I'm just like you know what I don't think I want to play basketball and I had to come to that decision like this is what it is it ain't for me it's not giving me that passion that I want to be in the gym working out become the best player and honing my skills like 
you have to do as a professional in order to have a, a long career. Right. You have to continuously want to get better. And I was just like, nah, I'm cool. Um, so I made the tough decision to stop playing basketball. And after that, I had to figure out what I wanted to do after that. And so many people, after they play basketball, they want to be around the game. So they go into coaching, mm-hmm. right, doing something that's around the game. So I did that too as well. But it wasn't right for me in my spirit, at least at the moment. It just... I needed money because I blew through mine. I needed, you know, something more. And, you know, I was teaching girls that wasn't me teaching little me's. These are girls that can't dribble with their right hand. These are high school kids. They can't dribble with their right hand. They can't make a layup. They can't teach an X and O's and how to play the game, not teach you how to dribble. So I was just like, yeah, this ain't for me right now. (laughs) Um, And on top of that, I wanted to coach. Um, the boys, because I feel like boys play outside. I feel mm-hmm. a lot of boys growing up. That's how I became so good. Maybe if I coach some boys, I would have to teach less of dribbling and moves and how right. to think and play the game. But being a woman, they're not checking for women to, right. you know, come into those positions and, t- and teach boys. Um, like we're inadequate or not capable of doing it yet. So many men are able to teach women. Right. Um, so I went through that whole kind of, you know, thought process and debacle with this you still tap into the game that I love right which is basketball but in a different way right it speaks more to me and as great as I was as a player and it's like damn I'm like I can be even better with this right because it's something <laughs> that I really want to do I'm out here I'm ready to work I want to learn some some new words I want to sound like Stephen A up here you know <laughs> so, that's how my basketball um journey was and how it has been so it's been a it's been a cool ride for sure um, I think that's what I'm most excited about with your podcast is like mm-hmm. your story. Like I'm over here getting excited, just rethinking yeah. about your own <laughs> highlights and like the people that you're that you've reached out to to have these authentic conversations with about mm-hmm. their experience with basketball and mm-hmm. what they are now. Um, it's exciting, especially some of the some, some big names that you dropped, especially big for the city of Louisville. Definitely. Um, so I am excited to see how their stories are mm-hmm. embedded throughout your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to thank you again for allowing me to do this. Uh, thank you um, for you. <laughs> it's definitely been fun. Um, and I do think that uh, everything that you embody, everything that you display is going to be very valuable for the generations to come, but definitely for women who are already mm-hmm. of age. It's like an added layer of motivation. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm more motivated to like, okay, let mm-hmm. me get my wheels turning and figure yeah. out what's my next move. Definitely. So, what'd you think? Yay! <laughs> so, before the episode ends, I want to take a moment and tell you about my player. If you listen to the intro episode of the Auntie's Collection, you know what this segment is about. So, here's my version of the perfect player for you. Shooting, Christy Tolliver. Passing, Chelsea Gray. Personality, Jantel Lavender. Work ethic, Don Staley. Size, Marissa Coleman. Defense, Elena Beard. Scoring, Elena Deladon. Handles, Cynthia Cooper. IQ, Candace Parker. Leadership, Maya Moore. Competitiveness, Neko Gumake. Intangibles, Karima Christmas. Style, Tina Thompson. Rebounding, Sylvia Fowles. And athleticism, a.k.a. Hops, Glory Johnson. 
So with that being said, thank you for tuning in to the first of many great episodes of the Auntie's Collection. But before you leave out that dough, or just take the headphones out your ears, <laughs> uh, take a moment to listen to my mood music on your way out. I love you. Love always. A1 out.